I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And a happy Sunday fun day to everybody out there. Scott Duff here along with Ellen Miller. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Ellen. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Great. It's so beautiful out. I love this. We've been home two weeks and the weather's been unseasonally cold up until this past This weekend. weekend. Oh, my gosh. Chicago. Chicago, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful weather. It's gorgeous. Thank you, Mother Nature. Thank you, Mother Nature. There we are. Driving in, I drive past the the Forest Preserve. Yes. Over on Damon. Mm -hmm. It was like driving through this, like, Mm. autumnal cave sort of thing. The colors are the the best they've been in years, everybody says. It is stunning out there. It's wonderful. We hope you uh, are able to get out and enjoy the day. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the show that we got going on for you today. Girl, it was a crazy week. Yeah, they all are. They all are, but it was just, it just seemed wackadoodle, you know, Hmm. the prime minister... Oh, a yeah. head of lettuce outlasted her? A head of lettuce, exactly. Like, what is yeah. going on there? But, you, know, you know, I like the fact that if something isn't working, they make they, they quickly change it. We have to give them credit for that. Absolutely. And yeah. it was for all the conservative uh, economic plans that the, that the GOP want to take over here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, exactly. just saying. Exactly. Just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There we are. Uh, look, we've got a great show. Um, we know the midterms are coming up. We're about two weeks away. And uh, Mike Ziri, Director of Public Policy for Equality Illinois, is going to be joining us uh, later on this hour. Look, Equality Illinois uh, has traditionally, they haven't engaged in judicial races, but the alarm bells are ringing loudly for our democracy and our rights. And we're going to chat about uh, with uh, Mike Ziri about how marriage equality would be at risk should an anti-family, anti-equity majority take over the Supreme Court mm. uh, here in Illinois. So uh, you'll want to stick around for that. They're also hosting an event, I believe, for Susana Mendoza this week. So we like her. Yes, we do. She just sent me a check. Apparently, I I overpaid my taxes. Well, everybody's supposed to get one. Uh, yeah, but, but we haven't. Perfect got, timing. We haven't gotten one yet, but. Oh, I got mine. Okay, good. Was, yeah, it, people are getting them. It's not big, but. It's every little bit helps. Every little bit does help. Sure. Let me tell you, there we go. Um, and the Rainbow Railroad, a uh, not-for-profit organization that helps LGBTQI plus people facing persecution worldwide, is hosting a benefit featuring internationally renowned jazz singer Patricia Barber. Uh, and Bruce Koff, chair of the Rainbow Railroad, will be joining us to talk about their work and their upcoming event. And Music Theater Works is currently presenting the time-honored classic Camelot in a brand new, like, very intimate Mm. version of the show it's it's pared down there are only nine actors in it um it ain't your it ain't your parents camelot okay uh that's better probably. yeah 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 and we're going to be speaking with director uh brianna borger and actor uh nate Rowbotham. they're going to be joining us uh in the show later on the show as well and of course we would love to hear from you so give us a call at 773-763-9278 that number again is 773-763-9278 of course you can find us on facebook where we are coming at you live you can just head on over to out chicago radio and while you're there, give us a like and a click and a share and all that good stuff. But if that doesn't float your boat, you can always tune in on WCPT 820. And while you're at it, why not follow WCPT on all social media at WCPT 820 on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you might as well follow along with Heartland Signal as well. So there we go. Ellen Miller, how are you doing? It's so great to see your face. Thanks. Good to see you back. Back in the studio. made it back safe and sound. I'm glad to hear and see. let me tell you. 
Okay, so I was in Memphis last week. Yeah. Uh, just visiting some friends. Jerry's uh, teaching. He's teaching down mm-hmm. there. So I was like, let's just make a little trip out of it. Um, when I got back, uh, the, my first day back, I walked more steps in a single day that day than the five days that I was gone combined. I literally sat on a porch for three for, days. Yeah, so you needed to make up for lost exercise. Yeah, it was good to kind of move around. It felt good to move around, but it was great to kind of just sit on a porch. Oh, yeah. Your life slows not? down when you move. And it's warm. The weather was probably warmer down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. it mm-hmm. was. Yeah, well, I mean, this week it was kind of gross up here, but yeah, it was lovely and wonderful I'm and you know, you great to time. reconnect with, with fam and stuff. But my cold, I think I was oh. typhoid Mary and gave every oh, single one oh. of my friends a little bit of a cold. Oh, too much kissing. No kissing. No kissing. No just kissing. being around, just sitting on the porch yeah. talking. Yeah, I was just licking their faces. Yeah, it was that. I just walk, yeah, that's how I it. greet people now. That's I just a, go up and like... Just like a puppy. I know, hello! That's how I greet people now. It's it's awesome. Okay, it's my well, new my new way I'm to glad about we didn't doing things. Each other today yet? Not way. yet. There's still time. Uh, there's still time, and I go. <laughs> what do people just tuned in their radio? And just, <laughs> oh, they're like, oh, okay, oh, okay. we got to hear well, what this is about. They're right. gonna keep yeah. listening. Uh huh. Um, yes. Anyway, um, how so, how are you, um, Ellen Miller? I'm, I'm good. Uh, Kath and I uh, took a, a so let's take a long walk with the pup. Uh, yesterday, and we kind of we took our long walk, and then we did an extendo. We usually walk uh, about two and a half miles, but we said let's do like down Lincoln Avenue to the Park West, which is Armitage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a good walk, and then I was saw, Maggie with you with Maggie, and then I saw the trees peeking through. You know, as you look down Armitage from Park West, and I said let's let's walk into the park, and we walked into the park like little tourists that we are in our own city and saw this nature walk that's a half a mile around kind of near the zoo, the perimeter yeah, of the uh-huh. zoo. I had never been on it before. We walked on. I was like a kid in a can. I'm like, oh, my God. This is, people like are posing for, we posed for pictures on a bridge. I took a picture of turtles. turtles I saw that. On a yeah. rock. Uh-huh. The foliage, as you mentioned. City turtles. Saying, the city turtles. I mean, who knew that a mile and a half from home, whatever it is, two miles, that this, I just, I know it's out there, but we take things for granted in our own cities. Here we came back from two weeks of walking. We, we figured, I think I mentioned before, we walked 125 miles in 17 days. Wow. We checked our, our, our trackers. Yeah, 125 yeah, yeah. miles. And, but we get home, you know, you do your, your regular routine because we're just... I'm like, man, our city, our parks, oh my God, pinch me. It was beautiful. That the, We saw heron, we saw geese, we saw fish, we saw turtles. And so I was like, you know, it's right under your own nose sometimes. You, you know, know, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's really uh, is just to get out and explore the city. There is something really great. Like, I, I love know. going to the Montrose Bird Sanctuary. Oh, yeah, but at the end of the beach. At the end there. of the beach yeah, over there. Like, yeah. that is, it's it's fabulous in there. And you can totally just get lost in this world. And it's, it's, it's just, phenomenal. It's and, you know, beginning of every year, I say, I'm, I'm going to get to the beach more. I'm going to take advantage of the lake more. We go up to Michigan and we are, you know, for several weeks and take advantage of the lake. I made it one time to the beach this year here in Chicago. But just a reminder, we have an amazing lakefront and all of the beautiful parks that surround oh, it. And the forest preserves, and the like forest the forest preserves, preserves that are up here. Well, during like, COVID, we drove right up here, what you're talking about, and we, we, we parked and we walked through these forest preserves. We needed a change of scenery and getting away from people. And so that's my little, you know, reminder that I know we always say it's there, we'll get to it, but, you know, get out, especially with Oh, I knew this weather. This weather, it's not going to be here for long. So uh, did nature walk yesterday. It was fabulous. We walked about uh, five miles. Awesome. 
and the pup like slept all night during. I know, like Emmett could not do that. It, it, like if you if you steer, Emmett also is just getting a little old. A little well, Maggie's old. ten and a half. <gasps> That's how old Emmett is. Yeah, right our dog. Maggie, Maggie's got some spring in her step. She does. Yeah, and, he, and she's not. And stoned that, on on no, epilepsy meds. That, that, yeah, that that yeah. that plays a role. But like you take Emmett for a walk on the opposite side of the street from where you usually walk. Yeah, you got to add an extra half an hour because he's got to stop and, <laughs> and smell, smell everything. He's got to check all the pee mail. He's uh, one of the most delicious things in the world that I never knew about, but apparently is wonderful. Bunny poop. Bunny poop is so delicious. Oh, according my dog to likes my dog. cat poop, but no, let's not. That's, where do you find the cats? Well, we have feral cat next door. Feral cats. We have a pop population that we maintain for our rats that we oh. all pitch in on their oh. feeding and their care. Oh. But they come in our yard and they, yeah. Do a little duty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a little nugget. I don't even talk. If people mm. are having their it's Sunday brunch with your best friends, it's we can't, fine. We can't be doing You need that. something to start out with. We, we do. You but, know, uh, they're, they're having their mimosa, their coffee or whatever. And they're, mm, oh, that happens. That happens. Poop happens. Oh, And does. eating poop happens too sometimes but, you if know, you're a canine. A, a trainer taught me we we went to a trainer for both of our dogs in the beginning that just because your dog wants to smell everything, once they have done what you know is their routine of their bodily functions, mm-hmm. you do not have to allow your dog to smell everything. You get the leash close to them and you make them walk next to you. He was adamant about, oh, yeah. you're in control, not the dog. I know, I know. So but, I know you're sweet. And but to- he's but, just you know, a little baby. I know, but you just hold it. Anyway, that's my... Uh, public service dog walking. I'm also like one of the horrible people too that has one of those retractable leashes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well. I'm awful. Uh, just the thing is, I have a dog that can, you know. She, She's energetic. She can be reactive sometimes. Yeah. So I make sure she doesn't intermingle with any dogs. And when, I, when I'm walking down the street, I hold, I I make a very obvious on my leather right. mo- motion to show that I'm pulling her as close to my body as I can. Thankfully, many dog owners understand this. Totally get it. Me too. But guess what? You'd be surprised how many. Well, I know. Yeah. Don't. You had that they're whole... just letting them. And they say something like, "My dog's friendly." I'm like, "Don't you understand?" Yeah. I'm she might not be. My d- I said, <laughs> I, "I don't want my dog to be in a bad situation." Yeah. 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 So you know, another little public service announcement: when someone is holding their dog on their prong collar as close to their body as they can without picking them up in their arms, take. Take a take a take a note from that. Take a clue from that, and keep your dog, even if it's on a retractable leash. Leash, you can do it. You know. Oh yeah, no, I do that. I do it all the time. See, but here's the thing, my dude. I know, I know. Well, you also live in a more densely it populated. Is. And I walk down area. Southport because I love walking by the Mercury Theater. I love walking by the Music Box. There's so much to look at and see. It makes the walk go by. Lululemon. Lulu, yeah, it's on the other side of the street. I know. Mm-hmm. Look, here's the thing. I've got a very love-hate relationship with Lululemon. Yeah, I do too. Their products are so good. They're really good. Oprah gave me her their products, and I still have some. Oprah gave them to I you? I was on the show years ago in the audience. Oh. The last season. It was 2010. It was September uh, 17th of 2010. And Lululemon was in the, 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 before they sold, they sold the company, I believe, but the original owners. And after the cameras uh, <clears throat> were done, they said, they just want, they got up and they said, I just want to, Oprah's been so good to us. And I just want to give everybody in the audience, uh, you're going to get a Lululemon gift pack. <gasps> and I still have this amazing Lululemon bag. Uh, that I travel with all the time. It's a beautiful. It's a hundred. Does it have all that crap on it? No, like, you know, nothing. Live, laugh, it's black. Love, no, it's, it's solid. It's solid black. Oh, okay. Yoga pants, socks, 
a headband. I use and I still use these things to this day. Oh, that was yeah. t- was years ago. I, I don't know. know if they make them the same way. I don't know. Their panties are really good. They got good underwear. Okay, well, I'm loyal to my brand, but we won't get into all, all that right, there right we now. Go. But they're expensive, but they're yeah, really, they're so know. expensive. But Oprah gave them to me, so they gave them to me through Oprah, so I have them. Otherwise, there you go. I, I, haven't I, I stole Oprah's shishito peppers. You did mm-hmm. when she was eating at a restaurant. She was not eating at a restaurant. They just no. It was at the the opening of. Uh, of the the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, the, oh, yeah. the HBO film yeah. that she was in. My friend wrote the book. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So and she invited me to go. Like, go. Let's go to the to the. Come with me to opening night. I'm like, oh yes. Are you kidding me? Like, I didn't have the money to do it to fly to New York and blah blah blah. But like, how often do you get to go to? Yes, a, I understand. A premiere of a movie yes. that's based on a book that your friend wrote. Yeah. That Oprah produced yes. and stars in. And she'll be there. And she'll be there. And she was there. And we went to the big after party, you uh-huh. know, uh, Tao. And uh, I was like, my mission was like, I'm, I need to, I need to huff Oprah. I wanted to smell her. Mm. That sounds <laughs> weird. It sounds weird as I'm saying it. I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. But I was just like walking around and. Literally, like I felt this thing yeah. kind of happen yeah. right over here, yeah. and like, and I turned around, and Oprah was literally like right behind me. And just as I like went in to go get a good sniff, uh, that's when she was surrounded by the Popra mobile. Like she got six feet deep in security, and they kind of like moved her around in yeah. this bubble yeah. back to this back room. But there was a whole platter of shishito peppers that said Oprah Winfrey right there, and I'm like, okay, Oprah, I I'm just going to eat your shishito peppers. I ate one of her peppers. I ate many of her peppers. Um, Thank you very I'm much. I'm glad you had that moment. But speaking of opening nights, I do want to mention this play. Yes. I uh, we went and saw Swing State. Sunday was the press opening. At By Rebecca Goodman Gilman. Theater. Rebecca Gilman, uh, a writer that's, you know, fabulous writer. Goodman has done many, many of her shows. Mary Beth Fisher. Love her. Kirsten Fitzgerald, Love her. Anna E. Thompson, Love and her. Bubba Weller, Don't who started him. as a young man in Goodman Theater. As a, he was in, um, I read his bio as a young kid. I don't know if he was in. Oh, was he like Turkey Boy in some, Christmas Carol? Something like Probably. that. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just a fantastic show. You know, th- th- from the title, you expected a, a big political debate, you know, or something. I, the, the play apparently really had has changed during its yeah you know during its rehearsals and during its you know mounting it so it's evolved it changed and i don't know what it was like before but i can tell you the product they have now is must see it's it's you know mary beth fisher what can we say about her she's amazing she's understated and fantastic she's always great uh and so Run, Don't Walk, Goodman Theater, Swing State. It's uh, about 90 minutes, one act, maybe a little, maybe an hour and, uh, yeah. They're like, uh, yeah. they're like hour 45. Yeah, hour 45. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's worth it. It's fantastic. And it just. Yeah, Jerry went to go see it last night. He, he drove in and went right to the, to the show. Oh, we he, have a friend who's understudying uh, one of the roles. Who, and Jen? Oh, another friend, because I, uh, I have a friend understanding a role, too, Jen. Okay, great. I don't know her. You don't know her. I don't know her. But, but anyway, uh, but she was talking about the process, about how Rebecca Gilman was there in the rehearsal room, and that they were actively changing things, and that she was so generous and so wonderful with, with everything, and, and getting the input from the, the ensemble of actors as well. So I want to see it really, really badly. It runs, and they just added a couple performances for it, but I know it, it runs until like the mid-November. Mid-November, yes. And who knows? I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, they have a tight schedule, but do see that one. And then another uh, quick thing that I, Blue Man Group, I was there for the opening night 25 years ago. I had not been back since. 
you know what? It's still a fantastic. I can't believe it's been 25 years. years. Blue Man Group. It's bananas. At the Briar Street Theater in good old Lakeview. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It was. I was smiling. Now, I was laughing. I was clapping. I was singing along, talking along. It, it's still just a fantastic, fun night. Have they... They've changed up the show. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah they've some changed parts. Because I know, parts. like, my, I, it, it's full. If you haven't seen it, it's it's hard to explain. Yeah, it is hard to explain. It's a percussion the show. Cool. The music is the amazing. Music. Yeah. Crazy new instruments all made out of PVC pipes. Love that. Um, it's. Uh, there's Part audience clowning. Clowning. Audience participation. They drag they bring several people out from the crowd. At one point, uh, one of the blue men group sat on my my friend who I brought with me. He he was crawling through the crowd and he kind of sat on her lap for a minute, but they were looking for some people to, you know, to bring into the crowd and they stood kind of in front of me at the and both of them kind of looked at me and then they went for someone else. Thank God. I think they thought I was too old for the skit because it was a marriage skit. Oh, um, yeah. Between, uh, I was happy, but the guy they picked was just, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's fun. So it was a crapshoot when you're doing that. But the one, one guy in the front row that they picked to help to do a percussion bit was fantastic. So it's just a fun night of theater. I had there were kids in back of us that were little. At first, I'm like, who's laughing like that? And then, like, oh, it's oh, little kids. Little kid. yeah. And then their dad got picked at the end to do a thing, and it was just. Now, do they still do the toilet paper stuff at the end? They don't do the toilet paper Good. anymore. They do. They shoot uh, streamers out of a cannon, okay. out of those ca- guns. Those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know yeah. What you're talking about. Yeah, but they the fur the opening night was the toilet paper thing. But I, I still, I highly recommend it. Uh, fun for the whole family. And it really, it, it is an event. <laughs> it is. I actually, used to, when I was a teacher, I used to show uh, a Blue Man Group video uh, to my students to be like, okay, here's how you can oh. communicate without talking. Yeah, you know, they, they don't say a word. That's the they don't thing. say a word. And, and, They're blue. And, and, they eat marshmallows. Oh my God, the marshmallows! Which thing. really aren't marshmallows. Yeah, that, it looks like a putty. Of it's like cream cheese. Cream cheese. No wonder they catch it so yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I learned some tricks. I have a friend who's a stage manager. I could tell it what didn't look like a marshmallow the way it mushed in their mouth. Yeah, thank you for yeah. that. You're cream very cheese. welcome. I'm just peeling the curtain back and Damn, just ruining the illusion. Thank you. No, it's good. I, I needed to know. I, it's look, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you know what we uh, this city. You know, we I've uh, had a great time in, in Portugal and in Spain, but the amount of culture that's here in Chicago, difficult to beat Can't be anywhere beat. in the world. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to the opening night of Clue. Of Clue. How was it at the Mercury Theater? Look, it is stupid with four O's. It is so much fun. It is stupid. These I'm like texting. I had to scooch out right afterwards because I had to go. Work. I was a single dad. No, I had to go deal with oh. my my dog and his tight medicine schedule. Um, but I'm like the, the shenanigans that people are doing up there on that stage, just delightful. Oh, the good set is great. It's like it's a small venue, the Mercury, like a smallish yeah. venue to do something that requires what nine rooms, eight rooms. Yeah, you know you got to have has, all the yeah. thing with the thing. Uh, Bob Knuth did an incredible job with the set. It was great. The costumes were gorgeous. The lights were fun. Uh, Walter Stearns, who directed it, was great. The cast is great. We're going to have Mark David Kaplan, who is uh, Chicago royalty, theater mm-hmm. royalty. He's going to be on the show next week. Oh, fantastic! So it's going to be really fun to you know kick off the Halloween weekend yeah. with him. But yeah, so I, I have two thumbs up, especially if you're a fan of the movie. I love the movie. I have to see it. <laughs> no, I just can't believe that. Sorry. No, it's fine. What year did it come out? 
late 90s? No, in the 80s. Oh, in the 80s. It came out in the 80s. Oh, yeah, that was a foggy period for me. I'm so. sure it was, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was, yes. Like, I think it was like in junior high yeah, or so, high school. Yeah, so you were in a different yeah. different place. We were in different places. We were in different places. Yeah. But now we're right here. Here we are. Together. Yes, we are. About the end of our first segment. The end of our first segment and two weeks away from the midterms. Uh, yeah, we got to talk about that. Y'all, we got to we gotta get out and vote. That This, this is it. This is it. We got to get out and vote. That is all. That is all that I have to say. Like, we have to get out and vote. Uh, when I was driving back through uh, Memphis, from Memphis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I'm going to go on a long road trip, I like to kind of dabble into the others, into conservative mm-hmm. radio and to hear mm-hmm. what's going on here. And let me tell you, they got a lot. They've got a lot to say that's about nothing. Uh, it's it, very, very interesting. It's a party of misinformation. Well, it's not as well. Is it miss it? Some of it yes, is. Yes, yeah. When you talk about uh, election, I mean, the major one is still how many candidates are denying that Biden was dutifully, dutifully elected. It's 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 wrong. Yeah. It's it's misinformation. It's and, totally and, misinformation. And they're basing uh, this is something that they're holding on to because of their almighty leader, which we'll talk about. But Ugh, whatever. Oh, but anyway, yeah. but uh, look, we're gonna we're gonna dip our toe into the midterms, and we'd yeah. love to hear from you. So give us a call. 773-763-9278. That number again is 773-763-9278. Uh, we've got to take a quick break, but uh, before we go, this part of Out Chicago is brought to you by Team Hawkberg. Hey, if you are purchasing a new home, refinancing your existing home, securing a VA loan or reverse mortgage, then you need to call Team Hawkberg, your trusted local lender. David respects veterans, but wanted to do more than just saying thank you for your service, so David did something about it. To thank veterans for their commitment to our country, Team Hawkberg will be waiving their loan origination costs, which is currently $1,250, the next time Team Hawkberg originates a veteran's VA, FHA, or conventional loan. Now, let's review. To thank the over 1 million veterans living within the Chicagoland area for their service to our country, Team Hawkberg will waive their loan origination fees the next time they originate a veteran's VA, FHA, or conventional loan, saving the veteran $1,250. Uh, Team Hawkberg has helped thousands of veterans secure mortgages over the past 20 years, but they can't help if you don't call 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com. That number again is 855-563-2843 or visit 56david.com. Lower.com, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1124061. We've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, uh, there's a new boogeyman. It's the same boogeyman uh, for the mid- for the Republicans for the midterms, and it's, it's it's, it's it's exactly who you think you are. Mm-hmm. It's the gay people. Mm-hmm. You don't like to stick, stick around. We'll talk about we'll talk about that uh, after this break. You listen to Out Chicago right here on WCPT. Welcome back. I'm writer and activist Stacey Anchin. You are listening to Out Chicago on WCPT eight twenty. And welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here, along with Ella Miller, as we roll along on this beautiful, beautiful day. We are two weeks away from midterm elections. <sighs> y'all, mm. y'all, I'm tired of everything being like, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Well. It is. I mean, I feel it. It is. We've got some wackadoodle folks out there that are have some very, very interesting ideas about how our country should be run and who should be running it and who should participate in it. Um, 
So we just I'm just reminding people right now, make sure that you go out and vote. Uh, I know a lot of people sit the midterms out. Don't do that. We cannot do that. Uh, we need to get as many people out there uh, to vote uh, for Democratic candidates more than ever, more than ever. There's a lot that's at stake right now. Um, look, it was a horrible week for Magaland this week. You had Steve Bannon, got four months uh, for defying the January 6th subpoena. Trump, girl, that led, that subpoena, mm-hmm. that letter was like, hi, you did this. You're a jerk. You, hello, there we are. So, I mean, that was a whole huge part of it. I, this, did you read the thing? Yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. It was awesome. You know, uh, they wrote, uh, as demonstrated in our hearings, we have assembled overwhelming evidence, including from dozens of your former appointees and staff, that you personally orchestrated and oversaw a multi-part effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election and to obstruct the peaceful transition of power. Um we know nothing's going to happen. Come out of that. But it's just, it is a big blow. Yeah. And, you know, this party claims that crime is one of their biggest issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet they're, they're the, the, the leader that they have, that they, you know, that these other candidates uh, express their loyalty to by continuing to lie is a criminal, is an effing criminal. I, you know, and, and, it just, it frosts me to no end that this guy continues to go out and do his campaigning and have these morons that are running as Republicans afraid to cross him, afraid to say the election of Joe Biden was legitimate. They, they can, this is why I say the party of misinformation. Yeah. They are basing their, uh, their campaigns on, on if, as long as they continue to say that the election was stolen or he didn't win, uh, he wasn't duly elected. It's a party of misinformation, period. There's a party oh, yeah. of lies. Oh, yeah. And and you got your head criminal leading them up. And it, 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 the, the fact that they won't look at this is mind blowing. But we only have one weapon. One of the, the Pew Research study said Republicans feel this election is it's more important to vote. Than, than Democrats. Not by much, but by a little bit. That is wrong. We have to wake up. Well, yeah, because what they want to do is they want to end the January 6th committee. Yep. They want to t- dismantle anything that Biden has done. It's yep. kind of exactly like what happened when Obama was elected. Yep. The Tea Party coming in and, and you know Mitch McConnell saying, we're going to make this guy a one-term president. Yes. We're not going to pass anything. No. And it's just, it's, it's, it's pig-headedness. It is, it's, we don't. We don't know what they're for. We don't know what they are for. We know what they are against. We don't know what they stand for. They keep talking about that. The, the Republicans are talking about how we are our party of family values uh, and Christian values, and yet they are turning a blind eye on all of their candidates that are clearly violating those those family and Christian values. Oh, absolutely. They are waving the flag right now of oh the inflation, inflation, and crime, inflation and crime, inflation. Those are the big things that they're... And those are hot buttons for their voters. And, uh, you know, they continue to beat that drum. But mainly, they are sowing the seeds of fear. Fear of their kids going to school and being turned gay or trans. I mean, this is like something that these these people are... They're hitting home about this in their own way. And these 
their followers believe this. They think their kids are getting inform- oh. information that's going to change them when they're just trying to teach people acceptance. And guess what? If you feel that way, you're okay. Because they haven't looked at what the suicide rate is for kids that are young and that are gay or trans. They are, it's, it's fear. It's a fear-based uh uh, election, in yeah, my opinion. It's organizing discontent, you know? And right now, we're kind of having the fear base in, in terms of, you know, we're afraid what will happen if they take over, if they run a majority in the House. We need or to be more Senate. afraid of it. I know. We need to get out and vote. We need to make sure that we are getting up there because, you know, it's. Well, A, first of all, let's go back to the thing that they're screaming about, and like all the like crime and like and everything. Like, yes, crime is on the rise. Crime is on the rise everywhere. But if you look at like the top 10 states where where crime is, has risen, it is like seven of them are run by Republicans. Yeah. You know, if you look at crime per capita, mm-hmm. people always, they, it drives me crazy. About Chicago. Yes, it drives me crazy about Chicago. Uh, and yet places that are like, there's gun violence, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but per capita, like your people are dying in larger numbers from gun violence than our people. You know, it's, it is just... It's very frustrating. It's misinformation. It's misinformation, and it's people who are just like not willing to. Uh, there was some debate. I believe it was in Arizona. I, I might be getting that wrong, but like you know, where they're like, "There's more crime that happens here in Arizona than in California," and the Republican candidate's like, "What?" And then in California, that's not us. You know, this whole thing. It's it's just it's ridiculous. It is all about the guests. Oklahoma. Yeah, thank you. It was Oklahoma that was going on, and people were were like. It's bananas. It's just bananas. Watching all of these midterm debates that have been going on right now. You know, we had one here with Pritzker for the gubernatorial race. I thought he did a great job. You know, the the Val Demings uh, one against to hear Marco that, but Rubio. I couldn't find a way to listen. I, I was able to find little chunks. And granted, it was also through some Val Demings social media, so I did not get mm-hmm, everything to hear exactly mm-hmm. what Marco Rubio said, but she definitely cleaned the floor with him. Um, but it's really important that we need to get out there to vote because it is not, this. it is about our democracy. Yes. It is about protecting our democracy. Um, it's about protecting values. You know, about our values. We do, people don't think that the Democratic Party is about family values. We are. We're about love, respect, kindness. Uh, we're about lifting people up, about taking care of one another, helping out our community. That is what we are about. And we need to make sure that we get out in large numbers to go out there and vote this midterm. We must. It's we a, must. We should probably get to some phone right, calls let's really take quick. A let's calls. Take, uh, go to uh, Paul in uh, Seattle. Uh, thanks for calling in today, Paul. Sure. Thanks, uh, Scott. And hi, Ellen. Hi, um, Paul. So the, the yeah, this week we heard uh, that oh, Democrats need to we need to panic about our you know our main issue, which is abortion, and that oh nobody cares about that anymore. Really, it's all about inflation and and crime, and and Democrats are soft on crime, and they don't want to talk about inflation and the economy and crime. But wait a minute. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, except it was the Democrats who passed the Inflation Reduction Act, and not a single Republican in mm-hmm. Congress voted for it. Yep. It was Democrats who passed the infrastructure bill, which included billions for public safety, including putting more police on the street, which every single Republican in Congress voted against. Yep. I don't know if they want to talk about crime and who wants to defund the police, it's them. They're the ones who don't want to fund the police. That's what that is to the degree that the federal government has anything to do with crime in 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 the cities or in the states. 
which is most of, you know, crime, crime laws are, are state laws. They're not federal laws. This Congress can pass funding, but they can't pass laws against right. crime in your state. Right. Yeah. They can pass, which, they, which the Democrats did. They passed funding for, uh, for reducing inflation, lowering your prescription drug uh, prices, so on, etc. And uh, President Biden just released more, more free oil for the, oil, for the fossil fuel industry from our strategic uh, oil reserve so that the, the fossil fuel companies, the oil companies, could put it on the world market. Not that it's really going to save us money. What it does is it makes more money for, and it does. They make more money by taking free oil. You talk about you talk about socialists. You talk about grifters. They take free oil. They say they say we should be releasing oil from the strategic petroleum reserve so that we can give it to the oil companies so they can put it on the world market and make a huge profit off it to lower gas prices to some degree. We also export. Get this: last year we exported twenty nine percent of all of our domestic oil. How come we didn't just use it? Can't we just, even if we we're going to give it to the, to the oil companies to process into gasoline, that sure would have saved us a lot, of, a lot of money. But no, no, that's the way we do things around here. We have to give things to the corporations so that they can make a profit on it. But really, honestly, what is most important is abortion. Because, and here's the reason, inflation comes and goes and the economy will ebb and flow and, you know, as things get better, crime, if economics gets better, crime ebbs and flows, too. But abortion is a right that they have talked about taking away for decades. Yeah. Yep. The right that was, uh, and they did it. And they're talking about taking away more of your right. We yep. know. They're, yep. not, they're not shy about this. They have been talking about, and by the way, this is a right that women, this is not a right that the court in 1973 gave to women it's a right that they acknowledge the fundamental right they acknowledge that women already have because remember the federal government doesn't give you your right they acknowledge that your right exists and that's the way if you read the the bill of rights the way the wording is not that the government gives you rights the right that you already have they recognize them yep. that's the way they're all written so when they recognize the woman's right to reproductive choice in two different ways. In Roe, it was right to privacy, which the court overturned. But, you know, the court also overturned Casey, which was a different standard. They recognized the woman's right to choose by the 14th Amendment's due process clause of independent autonomy. You have autonomy, of liberty of autonomy, of choice over your body, and you have that right, and it can't be taken away or deprived without due process they overturned that too yep so yep well hey paul thank you that is very paul that i'm sorry we gotta we gotta get one more call before we sneak in a break here but uh thank you thank for you, calling paul. in that was very Good well points. stated we these are great points and yes these are the issues that we have to look at mm-hmm. you know they're, they're talking about a national ban on abortion this is uh-huh. it's it is health care drives me crazy let's go to the phone uh really really quickly let's talk to our good buddy michael o'connor welcome you're on out chicago Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Paul is absolutely correct. And what is most most uh, uh, important is that we are in unsafe as Americans, as LGBTQ Americans, if 
uh, the GOP gets the House and the Senate. They only need 25 uh, uh, 25 um, uh, seats out of the 435 in the House. The fact of the matter is, is that LGBTQ Americans all over this country must get out and vote Democratic in the midterms. Specifically, I want to reference here in Illinois, Darren Bailey, uh, his commercial concerning the Lakeview incident is offensive. It is offensive to anybody that wants to deal with um, uh, 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 rights as citizens, African-American citizens and LGBTQ citizens. Uh, those individuals who are who are going to be picked up again by the police, ostracized again by the police, town hall apartments that we had have on Addison and Belmont used to be lock up. Yep. We are if we do not do what we're supposed to do this election, this midterm election, in terms of getting rid of Darren Bailey here in the state of Illinois and doing what we need to do in the near terms, we are going to be dealing with once again what is what used to be commonly referred to as states' rights. Yep. States' rights have never been in the best interest of not only LGBTQ Americans but LGBTQ. But yeah, absolutely. American period who are uh, are not white male property owners. That means that women and everybody else will be in jeopardy of our privacy rights. And that is uh, un far as imaginable for young people. But I remember when we could uh when we couldn't go anywhere here in the city of Chicago. I remember when we were pushed and knocked around by the police based on our orientation now we're still being pushed around but not as much yep uh in either case of african-americans or with the lgbtq community and don't get me wrong i'm not equating the african-american experience of slavery with lgbtq rights but we must understand that what paul was speaking about concerning privacy deals with the 14th Amendment that deals with that uh, uh, slavery, except for the crime of punishment. Punishment. So we need to deal with not being punished anymore. Going back to states' rights, because quite frankly, it's unsafe. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And yeah, and Mike, Michael, you are actually kind of just setting up perfectly for our yes. next uh, segment. Um, thank you so much Thanks, for for giving us a call and, and expressing your views. Uh, you know, we like we've been saying, this is a very uh, important election that's coming on, and Equality Illinois has been out there fighting uh, for equality for Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, how wonderful that it's right there in their name. Yes, um, we, uh, we've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be speaking with Mike Ziri, who is the Director of Public Policy for Equality Illinois. Um, they are getting out the warning bells for judicial races. They don't usually step their toe into that, for but it is, it is a very big reason here in, uh, uh, in Illinois. So please stick around. You're listening to Out Chicago right here on WCPT.
everybody. This is Tanya Richard from Tanya's Take, Race, Culture, and the Culture of Race. And you are listening to Out Chicago, WCPT. And welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here, along with Ellen Miller. We're rolling along uh, two weeks before midterms. Uh, we've been talking this whole show that it's very important for everybody to get out and vote. Um, and uh, they're just, just go out and vote. Uh, we're super happy to have our next guest right now. Uh, look, Equality Illinois has not traditionally engaged in judicial races, but the alarm bells are ringing loudly for our democracy and for our rights. And joining us now is Mike Ziri, uh, Director of Public Policy for Equality Illinois. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Ellen, for having me today to talk about this really important topic. Yeah, of yeah, course. yeah. Okay, so then thank you for taking. I know you are busy right now. Everybody in Equality Illinois is out there, like, all right, here we go. Now I know um, <laughs> this week uh, you all had a discussion at the Center on Halstead, a panel uh, about the Supreme Court judges in Illinois that uh, folks are on the ballot. Uh, who was who was there at, at that discussion, and what ground did you cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we had a press conference last week um, with some LGBTQ plus families, um, and uh, we were also joined by House Majority Leader Greg Harris, uh, State Senator Mike Simmons, State Representative Kelly Cassidy, to talk about why the Supreme Court, the Illinois Supreme Court, to be clear, the state Supreme Court, right. why these elections are so important, and and depending how these elections go, um, pose a real threat to sustained LGBTQ plus rights in Illinois, including threats to marriage equality. Um, And so we wanted to highlight that because, you know, we elect judges here and, you know, they're always at the end of your ballot. There's a long list of judges all the time. And and folks, I don't you know, there's just so many judges that folks may not have the bandwidth to to look into each one. Right. But we really want to highlight that if you are in these two Illinois Supreme Court districts and I can tell everyone where those are, please, please. In District three, if you're in those districts, you know. Um, we have endorsed uh, two of the candidates, um, but those districts, District 2, it's, um, we, uh, I'm sorry, look at my notes here. It's uh, Lake, Kane, Kendall, McHenry, and DeKalb counties. So that's District 2. And District 3 is Will County, Kankakee County, LaSalle County, Grundy, DuPage, Iroquois, and Bureau County. That's District 3. And, you know, these, this is so critical because, you know, we often think about governor and the legislature is being important and they are but these judicial races happen so rarely but these judges get on for you know 10-year terms yeah 10-year 20 years and these two districts if they go an anti-equality way could flip the balance of power on the Illinois supreme court you know we've already seen what the u.s supreme court has done with its anti-equality anti-family majority we can't let that happen to illinois we can't let all of the great progress that we've advanced, you know, when it comes to LGBTQ plus rights, reproductive rights, workers' rights, environmental protections, uh, consumer protections, gun violence. We can't let all of that come to a a screeching halt uh, because anti-equality, anti-family forces have taken over the the Illinois Supreme Court with this election. Um, And for folks who live in those two districts, District 2 and District 3, uh, I'm going to name two names here. And these are the folks that Equality Illinois has endorsed. In District 2, we've endorsed Judge Elizabeth Rochford, Elizabeth Rochford in District 2. And then in District 3, we've endorsed Judge Mary Kay O'Brien, both excellent candidates um, supported by many of our partner organizations like Planned Parenthood, Personal PAC, uh, labor unions. Um, And, you know, they're also running against two really, you know, awful anti-equality 
candidates. Um, you know, the, the anti-equality Republican in District 2 running against Rochford, he, uh, he you know, he, on Twitter or on Facebook in May, um, posted a message saying, you know, we should thank Donald Trump for appointing these justices to the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, boy. We're going to overturn, you know, Roe v. Wade. And, and he had anti-marriage equality stances. Um, and his name is Mark Curran, uh, anti-equality Mark Curran. Um, and then in the, the third district, um, you know, the Republican, anti-equality Republican there is uh, Michael Burke. And uh, Michael Burke previously was a member of a, of a DuPage organization, a chapter of the Thomas More Society, which has really led anti-equality fights in the courts against some of the really prominent, you know, pro-equality legislation. I know I just threw a lot at the listeners, but this is just so important, um, these, these two races. So, so Mike, uh, just so we're clear, uh, these judges couldn't overturn, of course, the, the federal law, but what they could do is make judgments like j- uh, deciding about, you know, uh, if, if, if a couple are not married and they're a gay couple and uh, one of them is ill and they wanted to go into, you know, to, to the hospital or be next to their loved one. Are these the kind of, and they, they could, you know, yeah. th- is this the kind of the kind of cases that, that individual cases that could be at stake here? Yeah. Exactly. You know, hospital visitation rights. Um, another one, you know, I think we all remember Kim Davis down in Kentucky. Yeah, of course. Marriage certificates to a same-sex Ugh. couple. Well, oh, that... what if there was a rogue, a rogue county clerk here in Illinois who wanted to do the same thing, and it right. went up to the Illinois Supreme Court. Um, you know, they, uh, these these justices could create a license to discriminate, you know, right. state non-discrimination law. Um, you know, we are a state well, and that, and they can yeah. can they also go after like like abortion here because you know if it's now it's since it's a state's thing mm. it could, if it goes to the Supreme Court they could say that Illinois is no longer uh, an, a, a state that provides legal safe abortions. Absolutely, absolutely. You yeah. know, um, all of these rights are at risk: uh, abortion, LGBTQ plus rights, marriage equality, safe and inclusive schools, environmental protections, labor rights. Um, all of those rights are at risk in this election, literally, and democracy, voting rights, too. You know, um, all of these rights that we pride ourselves on in Illinois, the great work that's been done over the years with the legislature and the governors, that's all at risk should the Illinois Supreme Court flip to an anti-equality majority. Yeah, okay, so we District 2 and District 3 are the big districts right now that we have our eyes on. I know Equality Illinois and other organizations are out there getting the getting the word out and spreading the fight. What can folks do if you don't necessarily if you don't live in those districts because I know those are those are some pretty conservative yeah. districts that are going on there. What can we do to help spread the word about these candidates uh, that will be more progressive and or just just simply just as opposed to people who are coming in yeah. with a very anti-equality agenda. Yeah, I mean, one thing, I'm actually out in Naperville right now because I'm about to start knocking on doors right after this interview, uh, you know, for Judge O'Brien. And, and, you know, folks, there are are canvassing opportunities to come out to the districts, you know, personal pack, Planned Parenthood, Equality Illinois. We're partnering on on dates to come out and canvass. So obviously today is, you know, we're in the middle of today, but, but next weekend there'll be an opportunity to go to East Dundee to support Judge Rochford. And then the following weekend, there'll be opportunity to go to Lake County to support Judge Rochford, to knock on doors and talk to voters. But there are also other opportunities. You know, 
if folks don't live in those districts, make sure if you have friends and family that they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, these judicial races sometimes fly under the radar um, because there's not always a whole lot of information out about them. So, like, making sure folks know. Um, you know, the, the Sun-Times today in the print edition has a good editorial, two of them actually, um, a good editorial about the importance of the Supreme Court races. Uh, and there's also an, op, uh, an op-ed by Tim Dre, who's the, the uh, head of the Illinois AFL-CIO, about why these races are important as well. So those are good sources of information. You know, posting things on social media, uh, getting the word out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if, if you can't canvas, if you can't knock on doors, um, telling all your friends and family in those districts, hey, vote your whole ballot, vote for Supreme Court justice, protect the court. Yeah. And Mike, in, in the 30 seconds that we have left, uh, is do you know off the top of your head, is there a resource guide for judges that people can take into yes. the ballot booth yes. with them? I know Windy City Times usually puts one out. I'm not sure if they have done that yet. <laughs> uh, but do you, does Equality Illinois have a resource where people can go and find out information yeah, about these for judges? for the early voters who yeah. are out there now. Yeah. So we have, on our website, we have our endorsements listed. Uh, and it's not just judicial, it's not just the Supreme Court. It's the legislature. You know, I also recommend our partners at Personal Path mm-hmm. and Parenthood. They have all their endorsements listed on their websites. Uh, so Personal Pack, Planned Parenthood, um, the Illinois AFL-CIO does the same. So all the organizations that we partner with, um, you know, have the research. Sierra Club as well. I think it's Sierra Club, um, you know, Citizen Action Illinois. So folks can go on their website, see who the endorsed candidates are, um, and you're going to find across the board that we're all endorsing Judge Rochford in District mm-hmm. 2 and Judge O'Brien in District 3. Well, uh, Mike Zeri, thank you so much for taking time out today. Uh, Thanks, before Mike. you go, before you start knocking on doors, you've got a beautiful day to do that to help spread the word. Um, Mike Zeri, Director of Public Policy for Equality Illinois, thank you for fighting the good fight and uh, break a leg out there today. Not literally. Not literally. I'm no. sorry. I'm a, I'm a theater guy. Don't, don't slip on a Don't leaf. slip on anything. But there we are. Uh, and what, let people know, vote blue in districts two and three. Uh, all right. We've got to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's the second hour about Chicago right here on WCPT. I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And welcome back to the second hour of Out Chicago. Scott Duff here along with Ella Miller. Rolling along, getting riled up. There we are, getting riled up. Midterms, everybody. Remember, especially if you know folks or if you are in districts two and three, Mm -hmm. those are very important districts. Very important if you want to keep your rights. Yes, because that's all about the Illinois Supreme Court, and we need to get... Not to get judges that not read people. Yeah, know not, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. going backwards and taking we, we away your rights. Back. No, we can't do that because we are it's unacceptable. We've, been, we've fought so hard for our rights mm. here in Illinois and across the globe, uh, and we need to make sure that we continue to have them. We don't. Uh, anyway, anyway, do that. We've got a great second hour. Going to take a little dip into the artsy-fartsy world uh, a little As bit later on in the show. We're going to be talking with um, Music Theater Works. They, they've got a, a new production of Camelot. It's a brand. It's a reimagining of it, mm-hmm. really, because when you think Camelot, 
gigantic production, huge, mm. lots of people, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's an intimate, pared-down uh, Camelot uh, that's focused. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, we're going to be chatting with uh, director Brianna Borger and actor uh, Nate uh, Rowbotham. They're going to be joining us later on in the show. But right now, uh, we're very happy for our first guest uh, uh, this hour. Uh, Rainbow Ra- Railroad is a not-for-profit organization that helps LGBTQI plus people facing persecution worldwide. Uh, they are going to be hosting a benefit to help their work, mm-hmm. uh, featuring internationally renowned jazz singer Patricia Barber. Uh, and joining us now uh, is Bruce Koff, chair of Rainbow Railroad. Railroad. Well, why can't I speak today? Bruce, welcome to the show. Sorry to screw up the railroad. Hi, Bruce. Dear <laughs> yeah, hello. Nice it's the Rainbow you. Railroad. Hello. The railroad. The railroad. I don't know what the the railroad. That's in Scotland when they go and they get the coos off the tracks of the railroad. Ah, yes, laddie. There we go. Oh, anyway, Bruce, we'll talk about the railroad later uh, when we all go to Scotland. But can you let our listeners know a little bit about the history and mission of Rainbow Railroad? Absolutely. Well, you know, first of all, uh, as many of your listeners know, in about seventy countries. Being LGBTQI and or engaging in same-sex relationships is criminalized. So, you know, in these and other countries where same-sex orientation or trans identity is stigmatized, LGBTQI people face uh, all kinds of danger, uh, targeting extreme violence, arrest, long-term imprisonment, and by that I mean many years, um, torture, and and even death. So uh, a lot of them cannot also rely on their families or their villages or communities to keep them safe. So they're at tremendous risk. And as a consequence, many LGBTQI people flee their homes and are internally displaced or flee their countries and become refugees or asylum seekers. So, but, um, And this year, we expect to receive, Rainbow Railroad expects to receive like a record-breaking 10,000 requests for assistance oh, wow. from LGBTQI people from all over the world. And basically our response, you know, we're inspired by the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. And Rainbow Railroad provides life-saving assistance to LGBTQI people in the most imminent danger. And whenever possible and desirable, we also move people to safer countries where they can be free of fear and, and live authentically. Bruce, how do That's people find we're... out about the organization in some of these countries where... RainbowRailroad.org. RainbowRailroad.org. And when you, when you go to our website, the first page you hit, it will be uh, in four different languages, and um, and people can uh, um, then get to a, a form that they can submit for an immediate um, help. Do you do you, do you go on the ground though and do outreach to people that may not you know even have access to the internet, for example? Yes. Well, we yes, absolutely. There's tremendous word of mouth and. And also, we have we work with about thirty different partner organizations around the world mm. um, who are on the ground in mm. different countries, uh, and they also assist us, and we assist them. It's very collaborative. Good, good Yeah, because I, I do know that the Rainbow Railroad it, it's an international organization, correct? Because I know there are different chapters here in the United States. Do are we partnered with other yeah, countries? We, right. So. So the the um, the main office is in Toronto, but it's an international organization, and we're incorporated as a nonprofit in the United States too. There's a U.S. board. I'm actually chair of the U.S. board and vice chair of the international board. Oh, wonderful! Mm, we'll smell you, Nancy Drew. That's fancy. <laughs> 
I know, no, no, I love it. No, it's great. No, but you're out there. You're you're doing the work. You're you're you know you're here's this is what we keep talking about when it comes to you know uh, people being in, like when it comes to activism and people stepping up to to actually help people within the community, which many people in the Democratic Party seem to be doing. You know, is that you Absolutely. you step up and you like you see a need, you need mm-hmm. to see people within your community or within other communities, and you step up and you actively help them. Um, I know, oh, like we, we can all do something. We can. We can. That that's what I mean, a, you were just talking about. What we need to do in our own state. I mean, there are so many different ways in which to be helpful. And Absolutely. One of the ways that people can be helpful here is to just come and be entertained on Wednesday night. And there we go. Yes. I know. Well, uh, we'll get night. to Wednesday uh, real quickly, but I do want to like. I know that you know Rainbow Railroad, as you said, has been instrumental in helping with LGBTQI plus, um, you know, refugees coming to the United States. I know you've been very, in terms of like trying to figure out like, you know, ways that people can be safe and healthy and to remain alive. Um, What are some of the continuing partnerships, uh, projects rather, and some of the partnerships that you have going on within Rainbow Railroad? Well, I can tell you where our work is focused right now. Okay. First of all, in this last couple of years, since the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the um, Taliban takeover, you know, when that happened, um, of course, women were put at risk in Afghanistan, uh, for sure. And LGBTQ people basically um, had a target placed on their back. So um, a lot of our requests now are coming from Afghanistan, Pakistan, from South and Central Asia, um, because these are the people who are in, in imminent danger and, and have fled in large numbers, are, are, are literally homeless and displaced and looking for help from us. So that's been um, a, a, a major place we're working. And our partnerships are on the ground in uh, actually in, Af- in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, uh, where many people flee to. Um, and uh, of course, we are working with UNHCR, which is the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, um, and with uh, certain governments to be able to facilitate movement of uh, LGBTQI refugees, especially from Afghanistan, which is a pressing problem. But we have people from all over the world who are seeking help. Uh, about half of them are now are from Central Asia, but another 28% are from the Caribbean, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and another I 9% from it. the Middle East and North Africa. You know, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, you know, so lots of different places. And we have uh, working with um, partners in all parts of the world, um, also in, uh, in in the sub-Saharan Africa, including Uganda, which is another uh, harrowing place for LGBTQ. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. See, again, you're fancy, but doing the good work, that wasn't a bad thing. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so a way to help get a re- uh, increase awareness about this and also to raise funds uh, for the important work that you're doing. We all can celebrate uh, uh, on the 26th because uh, you are the Rainbow Railroad is having a one night only event with internationally renowned jazz singer Patricia Barber headlining When I Am Free at the Jazz Showcase. Um, What is in store? I know like you because of COVID, this annual uh, benefit has not been able to take place. Is this your first one back, I guess, not post-pandemic uh, since we're in it. Part. Yeah, last year we had a hybrid. Okay. So we did in-person and uh, virtual. This year uh, we're going all the way into into in-person. So this is a jazz showcase. Patricia Barber, as you know, is an incredible musician, and she's bringing with her some other incredible musicians to join her in uh, this um, 
benefit that we do every year now to launch our annual campaign. It's called the Chicago Five Lives campaign. And that's Chicago's part in raising uh, uh, at least $50,000 to save at least five LGBTQI lives. Um, you know, in, in the next few months. So that's that's our goal. It's part of a larger international fundraising effort that we do at the end of the year. This is basically our part in Chicago of doing our 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 duty here. Yeah, and so what is in store for the evening? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, I mean, you know, I know. we we, you know, we do music every every year. We launched the campaign with music last year. It was classical. The year before, it was Allison Russell, who's like American. Oh, Bruce. love her! It's jazz, and it's Patricia Barber, and uh, she is an, an amazing, um, you know, just jazz composer, vocalist, um, uh, member of our community, and, mm-hmm. and musician. And she, um, so she, it's really her concert, uh, along with. Uh, a group of other musicians, John Detmeyer, who's a great drummer, Larry Kohut, who's great on bass, and Neil Alger, who'll be on, on, on guitar. It'll be a wonderful evening of music. We are also bringing, um, uh, we will also be hosting a, a featured guest who is a fellow who we helped, who is coming, who ended up in Canada, uh, and uh, I think he escaped from, Jama- from Jamaica, and we helped him get out of Jamaica, which is a country that has a terrible record of treatment of LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. And he's coming down to Chicago to talk with us personally about his experience. So he'll be there also on uh, on uh, Wednesday evening. And so it's going to be just great. And we'll talk about Rainbow Railroad, but mostly it's about the concert and about the music. And the other thing I thought is, you know, everything about what we do is about helping people to find freedom in which they can live authentic lives. And, you know, when I think about the language of jazz, it is a language of freedom and authenticity. And I can't think of a better, uh, you know, a better uh, representative of that than, than our own Patricia Barber. Oh, yeah. Who is such a fine jazz musician and really um, fuses those things together, freedom and authenticity in her music, and makes everything personal and her own. And it is a unique opportunity to hear her in a very, very special way. Now, Absolutely. now, will will there? I have to ask this every time that there's a benefit because I'm obsessed with them. Will there be a silent auction? Um, <laughs> no, there will oh. not be a silent auction. Okay, there will be an opportunity to give. Okay, but we're not doing this. It's not a conventional sort of fundraiser. It is a concert. concert. Oh, wonderful! Okay. It, it's a concert, and we—that's what we want. Is we wanted to make this something that is all about you know Rainbow Railroad and the and and and. Chicago musicians and whom I love and I have a great um, exci- I'm very enthusiastic about the, the, the music that we have in this city and so each year you know I just love to create an event that that highlights some of that music and to, this year it's jazz yeah and it belongs to Chicago beautiful and as you mentioned the besides Patricia who's a, a, a local gem uh, the the musicians backing her up are all amazing in their own right as well every single one yeah, of them really you know world-class world-renowned great musicians I'm so pleased that they have that Patricia Barber arranged to bring them along they're great yeah they are I, I'll, Ellen, look, if Ellen Miller will vouch for a musician. Oh, yeah, you better no. that means you better go because <laughs> you better go. She knows the best of the best. <laughs> yes. She has played with the best of the best, and now like this is like a big old endorsement here. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's going to be an incredible evening uh, to yeah, celebrate. Tell people where to go. Yeah, where to go to get tickets. 
Go so tell you can them. Go to the, actually, you can go to jazzshowcase.com and just go to the date. October 26th, and mm-hmm. there'll be a link for tickets. So looking, jazzshowcase.com. It's very easy to navigate. I'm on there right now. Right so. on. And where is jazz? Where is the venue Jazz Showcase? South Loop. South oh, Loop? It's on Plymouth. It's in the South Loop. Yeah. It's 806 South Plymouth Court. Plymouth Court. So and there's parking available. Yeah. Um, deep parking. So it's a it's a just a great place. If you've never been there, you just walk in there, and you just feel like you're walking into Chicago's jazz history, and it's been around since the 1940s. Absolutely. It's, it's a fabulous place. It's a great space, and as you mentioned, Bruce, there's lots of street parking available, so don't be... Uh, lots of street parking. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't be shy, don't and, be shy. and you Definitely. need to go... Um, make sure that you go check out When I Am Free, a benefit concert for Rainbow Railroad featuring Patricia Barber. It's coming up October 26th. This Wednesday. Uh, for information and for tickets, you can go to jazzshowcase.com, and then find out more information about this incredible organization, Rainbow uh, Railroad. Go to rainbowrailroad.org. If you aren't able to attend the concert, maybe you can contribute uh, financially it, if that is within your thing. This, this is an, it's an incredible very cause. It's an incredible sure. cause. And it's, I keep going back to that that documentary from HBO. The Russian. About, about the, the Russian. I, me, about I Russia. Too, and, welcome, welcome to Chechnya. Welcome to Chechnya. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then there was another one before yeah. that, too. I think it was called Hunted, or just, just about the way mm. LGBTQ folks are being treated across the world. We, Yes, we are struggling and fighting for our rights over here, but we have the right to live, and we are we are very, very grateful, and that is not the case, as you said at the beginning of the our conversation, uh, at, uh, across the world. Mm-hmm. So, being able to help help these folks is super important. Right, right. If I could just say, you know, I'm I'm old enough to have have lived through the AIDS crisis, and part of what I experienced with this epidemic of violence against LGBTQ people worldwide is a lot of the same things that I experienced you know, that we experienced during the AIDS crisis, which is people who cannot even turn to their own families, whose lives are endangered, yeah. who live in fear, um, who, for whom, you know, uh, it's a life-threatening circumstance. And frankly, it's up to us now, as it was then, to help them. Amen. Amen, my brother. Amen, amen, Thank amen. You. So Thank just a reminder, Bruce. When I Am Free, a benefit concert for Rainbow Railroad featuring Patricia Barber is October 26th. Head to jazzshowcase.com for uh, tickets to that. And to find out more information about railroad Rainbow Railroad, go to rainbowrailroad.org. Bruce Koff, thank you so much for taking time out today. Thank you so much for thank being super-duper fancy and doing all the super-duper work that you are doing out there. Mm-hmm. And thank you for uh, allowing uh, our community to gather to celebrate joy while raising money for a very important cause. Thanks, Scott and Noah. Thanks thank so you, much Bruce. for letting me do this. Thanks thank for your you. good work. Okay. Thank Take you. Care. Take care. Uh, we have got Bye. to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to be speaking uh, with folks behind the new production of Camelot at Music Theater Works. So stick around. You're listening to Out Chicago right here on WCPT. Hi, this is Renee Taylor. You're listening to Out Chicago, WCPT 820. And welcome back to Out Chicago. We giggle every time that comes on. We do. She I, I have a, you know, I'll, I just, I picture my mom posing for a picture with her after the show that 
never, sadly, worked on my camera. The only time. Oh, boo, I know. But I have it in my mind. And yeah. she was so kind to my mom. I know uh, she was. And Renee Taylor was at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts, right? That's where she was that's performing. That's where she was performing. Well, yeah. guess what? Guess, guess where? what? Guess what? what? Music Theater Works <gasps> is currently presenting the time-honored classic Camelot, that sexy little love triangle mm. kind of classic musical, mm. in a brand new intimate version of the show at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts. See how well that all yes, went tied in right there? It sure that did. That was really good. Uh, and we are super duper excited to be uh, speaking with uh, director Brianna Borger and actor Nate uh, Raubotham. Uh, welcome to the show, Brianna and Nate. Thank you. Hi. Hello. Welcome for having us. Thank you so much for taking time out. I know this is like opening weekend and you've got shows that are happening and all this stuff is going on here. Um, saw the show yesterday uh, at the matinee. Let me tell you, this is not your mama's Camelot. Uh, it, yeah, it's fabulous. Brianna, this is your this is your directorial debut. Um, how how did this show come to you? Uh, this show fell right into my lap. Uh, Kyle Dugan, the artistic director at Music Theater Works, is an old friend of mine. And a few years I decided to take a step back from performing so that I could be an instigator of the change I want to see on stage as someone behind the table and add to the, uh, the very small group of women who are directing musicals in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And when I expressed that... Uh, drive and idea I had of wanting to direct, he said, I have the perfect production for you. Um, so this version we're presenting is is a version that was rewritten in 2017. Um, I love that people are assuming that I'm the one who made all these Yeah, I show. did. I thought, I thought it was. <laughs> um, so it was, the, the show was reworked um, a few years ago to make it uh, more accessible for a small cast and a smaller company and really distill the story down to that storyline about the love triangle. And I just love it so much. And I was thrilled to take this old classic and bring it to a more intimate place of storytelling. Yeah. And, and that you most certainly did. It was, it was very like, I'm so glad that you clarified that because, you know, uh, I I thought for real that that was like, hmm. this is all Brianna's work in here. Like, okay, we're, we're bringing it down. Because, you know, for me, I'm, I'm old school. You know, musicals from the 1960s, there were like 8 million people in them. They were, you know, mm-hmm. they're huge, lavish. And like, the show has got us... There are a little, there are, you know, there's some like little rapey parts and stuff like that, uh, uh, you know, that are in there, you know. But it it was like it was a whole like it really was. I was seeing the show for a completely different, um, like for the first time. It was like oh, now granted, I'd, I'd only seen it one at a time before when I was really young. But mm-hmm. it was also like I in my head, I'm like oh, I, this is what it is, and it's so. Um, the storytelling aspect, I love the fact that it is, it's about the power of story and the power of legend. But what's also really interesting with this production is it very much feels like Guinevere's story. Mm. You know, we have this this love triangle. Of course, she would be at the apex of that whole thing. But mm-hmm. But it feels like we are seeing this through her lens and it changes the story. I mean, not changes. It just gives you a different perspective on the Arthurian legend that, that folks know. Um, so yeah, yeah. what was that on purpose or is that written into, is that kind of how the script is structured now with this new edit? 
I'm I'm so thrilled that came through for you. That is so wonderful to hear. Um, that that is partly how this is structured. You know, in um, David Lee did this adaptation, and even in his notes in the front, he said this is a story about one woman and the sway that she has on all the people around her. Um, and certainly, as like a feminist myself, when I'm given a script and it says cast one woman and seven men, right. I know. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> So, <laughs> and clearly, our casting does not reflect that. But, no. um, but I think I think it it is part of this adaptation of the script. But it was also um, very much at the center of my thought in this. I do think Guinevere often gets short shrift in this show, um, and certainly, you know, Alan J. Lerner, brilliant lyricist and songwriter, but also a well-known misogynist. So the, the original writers of this clearly had their own take on a woman's place and how she should be reflected on stage. And and I really think that um, through our work in the rehearsal room and Christine Malin Perkins' beautiful work on that stage, I, I really oh, think it's coming across as great. what we are seeing, what her struggle is, and that she's just not a, you know, a flippant pretty girl. Who decides to cheat on her husband? It's so much more than that. Yeah, there was you, there was depth to to her yeah. that you haven't seen. You know, she's like, oh, let me make this decision. Like I'm deciding. It there there she very much felt like she has agency. They've given her some power. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But it, yeah, it's it's great. So Nate, what was it like? You play Lancelot. Uh, what was it like in the rehearsal room? Like, had you? Had you had any experience with Camelot before, or was this this incarnation, is this your first in, in, introduction to Camelot? This was definitely my first time experiencing Camelot. Um, I'd done a production of Brigadoon previously, so I was familiar with Lerner and Lowe's music, and I've always been a fan ever since I've gotten into musical theater of just, like, the gorgeous, detailed, and also very classic music they put forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really, really excited to just dip my toes in and like take a fresh take on this like classic tale and working with people, actors like Christine, working with actors like Michael Metcalf and working with Brianna on this really detailed, nuanced, intimate piece that we've created was just a pleasure. It was really a pleasure to breathe new life to this classic work. Yeah, it, it would. I not going to lie. I would be freaked out sitting into that rehearsal room where they're like, wait a second, we're doing Camelot and there are nine of us. There are nine of us. What? Oh, yeah. It was new. It was a new experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, like, it was like, oh, to be in that room is just to have those discoveries must have been just just wonderful. Um, uh, Brianna and Nate, I guess you both can, can talk to this. Uh, one of the things that really stands out with the casting uh, of this production of Camelot uh, by Music Theater Works, there is a lot of uh, gender neutrality within the roles. I, you know, you, Brianna, you talked about like, we're going to have a play and you cast one woman. You know, it's like, oh, no. And now there's like it's 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 any and all genders uh, that are are being presented on on stage. What what was the your decision heading into that? Well, I, I think it's it's twofold, you know, and it's impossible to say squarely of like this was my decision and right. this is exactly why I cast it. I mean, ultimately, I cast the best people for every role. Mm-hmm. I did not set out to direct like the new queer version of Camelot right. that was not my intention at all. And I, and I don't think that's necessarily what we're presenting. Oh no, not we're at all. Presenting Camelot as beautiful storytelling and wonderful people playing all of these roles. It just so happened. All of these people came to audition for this show 
And it all fell into place in a way that's so magical. But I think sometimes you see casting like this on stage and people reduce it to like, oh, it's a concept. That was their idea. And I'm like, my idea is to tell a good story. Good people. Um, At the same time, though, yes, I am always someone who is looking for greater representation on stage. And I think um, gender in particular is kind of like a torch I carry as a as a woman who has been a performer for years and seen how greatly the number of women at auditions is outweighing men, you know, and certainly the number of cis people is outweighing non-binary people and trying to get those underrepresented voices on stage more. And so I am, I think I'm just naturally more inclined to be open-minded about how these characters can present. Um, And so that certainly I think came through through my casting process. But also in a show like this, where we are reduced to nine actors to tell this story, it's almost imperative that people are able to move back and forth across that gender spectrum, if need be, um, you know, so that they are a lady in waiting in Act One and then Mordred in Act Two or things like this, because we only have so many bodies on stage and we need to be able to tell this story in a way that makes sense. And um so, so I think there were a lot of factors that contributed to it, and I'm, I'm so proud of what we're presenting on stage, and I think everyone so seamlessly slips back and forth between all of the roles they play in this show, and that's one of my favorite things to watch, because I think actors have much more versatility capacity within them than many directors often give them the ability to express on stage. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Amen. There we are. Snaps to that. Snaps to that. And, and that's what I want to see. You know, I'm like, I want to prove that like this person can do all of these things and we have to stop pigeonholing them. Yeah. And, and what has the audience reaction been to seeing a completely different version of a, a show that, you know, they've known for years as something different? I mean, I think it's the audience been, reaction has been I very thought, warm. Yeah. Good. Very warm, very welcoming. I mean, honestly, like our very first invited dress was like an, a retirement home was invited in. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is a generation. That oh might, I that didn't even you. know that. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love that. I mean, like, they absolutely loved it. Oh, I didn't good. see a single one of them going, I don't understand. You oh. know, like. Good. They got it. Good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. Let me let me tell you. I, I was at the matinee yesterday. Uh-huh. I brought my I brought my 92 year old friend Ruby with me. Okay. We're gonna go and let me tell she's you. She's very opinionated. She's very know. opinionated. Yes. Um, and also, like, I was the youngest audience member there, like by 20 or 30 years, and nobody in that audience blinked and. I about the the casting. Okay, in cool. fact, they were on their feet at the end of the show. That's, so that's, I mean, that, that is a testament. It it's one of those things where I'm like, I think this is a testimony to, as you were saying, like casting the best actor for the roles. Um, you know, as you were saying, like these are people that might not necessarily get a chance to play a knight or play a lady in waiting or whatever it might be. But you just put the best people that that came to you, and you're like, here we go, and and it works for the audience. I think it was very instructional. Nate, how do how do you feel like th- that it's been going over, been received? You said it was very warmly received. Mm. 
Yeah, the reception has been really amazing because we are probably just going to attract a, an older demographic just based on the show that we're we doing. Yeah. And yeah, the time period that it was popular in, you know what I mean? We are going to definitely attract an older demographic, but they've been so warm and so welcoming. Um, there was like a group of us going out for lunch actually after the matinee, which by the way, you guys were an amazing audience. Y'all were like fantastic. We were with we you. you guys. Oh, it was amazing. And we had a, we ran into a woman, a group of us, on our way to lunch. She was pulling out of the parking lot, and she just stopped us, and she was like, "This was such an amazing version of this production." She was just so complimentary of all of us, and really just took the time to acknowledge the individual work that each of us was doing, and just see the humanity of all of the actors on stage. And it's yeah, it's really it's been a real treat. Yeah, it, it, well, good. I'm glad. And and th- let me tell you that the the audience joke was not a dig. It was just also a dig on Saturday matinees. It's a oh, yeah. there's we you will never stuff. find anybody under fifty there. Let me tell you this. Yeah. Oh yeah, but they were live. They, they were, were live. live. Oh, like I oh, said, yeah, they were on their feet. They were on their feet. Oh, they were yeah. laughing. They it was yeah. It, they folks were having a good time. Um, as yeah, you we walked up for the first scene, and we were like, oh, they're in it for the long haul. There we so go. We we're like they're in it for the long haul. We were. We were totally in it. So as you are, uh, you know, as Brianna, as you leading this cast of, of nine performers who are definitely going between different roles, um, and Nate, as somebody who you too play a, a little, a couple of different roles, one's very minor in the beginning, and then you, of course, are Lancelot, the mm-hmm. very, 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 very proud very proud person. Very proud. Very proud. Emphasis on proud. Very proud. Yes, yes. Uh, yet also Christian. Um, but anyway, we'll get on another one later. Uh, but what have you two <laughs> learned uh, throughout the... What was the biggest takeaway as you as artists? Uh, Brianna, either like you know, creating this piece and now, Nate, now that you are... Was a part of that creation and now you're living within that, pace, that piece for performance. Yeah, I think I've. Let's yeah. start with, let's start with Brianna, Brianna first. Oh, okay. Start with me. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> think <Brianna>. just, <laughs> um, I think this process just even more solidified my love of collaboration. And not only was I seeking to cast artists who are the best for these parts, but also seeking to cast artists who have a point of view and are not afraid to express that. And I am someone who very much airs toward control freak. Um, and so, and you know, there are, there are moments in the show that I was very particular about. Nate can expound upon that. <laughs> but you know, in, in ways that, that were like, no, this is specifically how we have to serve this very condensed storytelling. But um, the, having the ability, leaning leaning into rehearsals and seeing how these artists function and then just giving myself permission to just sit back and let them do their thing and figure it out and see what magic comes from that. And then, and then jumping in again and saying, okay, like this was awesome. How can we expand upon this? How can we move this along? And um, it was, it was a joy of a process because it's not just nine actors. It's nine actors who all, are in it to win it and have great ideas. And we're constantly coming up with things that they are doing on stage that, you know, I'm over here focused on the main trio. And then I look up and I'm like, there's an entire play happening. And what's happening over there? Yeah. But I did not direct. That's not pulling attention, but that they are just fully committed to being there in the moment and making choices. And 
and being able to just let go and let them do that and add that depth to the show was so rewarding. Mm, love it. Yeah, Perfect. you can tell that there was really a tight-knit ensemble up there. Nate, what have you been discovering as you as you are now opened and living the in, in the world of Lancelot? Yes, the very proud world of Lancelot. Proud, very proud. Yes. Um, it has just, it's been a real treat to work on this process. The detailed and nuanced work that we did in the rehearsal room has really just paid off in spades. Um, this is like my first, uh, my second professional production I've done in the city. Um, and it's my first lead role. And I really could not have asked for a better leader to work with than Brianna. She has such faith and such a standard that she sets for her actors that she is so well aware that we can live up to. And it really, she sets a bar that she is so aware that we can live up to and really like just lets us live up to our full potential. And it was just a treat to be on stage with all of these actors, really just like giving our all and really being present and living in this world that we've created. It's, it's really awesome. I think in smaller casts, sometimes it's easier to rely on um, just the, I think in smaller casts, sometimes it's easier to rely on the storytelling. You know what I mean? It's easier to rely on like, um, what am I trying to say? Oh, this is what I was trying to say. In bigger cast, it's easier to fade into the background. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. In bigger cast, it's easier to fade into the background. But with a smaller cast, you really have to be on your A game and you have to be present and accounted for and clocked into the story at every single second. And yeah, it's just been a great, it's been a great process. It's been a great growing experience. And I can't wait to going on the run yeah yeah yeah. and it's also again it's a great uh experience for audiences too again to see this sort of casting which does not feel like it is a stunt or part of a concept or whatever it is it just feels like it's very authentic to this this piece like i said the audience member like i was there and they were an older crowd nobody blinked an eye that we have you know gender non-conforming people and non-binary folks and cis women and cis men playing different genders and roles and expressions Mm. Nobody blinked an eye, and I think that is going to be a very, very uh, important lesson for Chicago audiences and also for other Chicago theater companies. Be like, look, this they you can it. do this. Mm-hmm. You can do this. They did it successfully. Uh-huh. So congratulations. Sure. Like, if, if nothing, that is like right there. That is a feather in your cap that you can all uh, be very, very proud of as you head off to Camelot. Mm-hmm. Camelot. Mm-hmm. Camelot. Thank you. <laughs> there we are. Look, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's, Ruby only had one critique. She was very, very concerned. She's like, okay, they were in a dress in the first act, and then they were in that black outfit. Why were they the only person that got two costumes? I'm like, I think it was a very big thing. There there were you going (laughs) there. But that was not the fact that anybody was in dresses or in kilts or anything. But it was, yeah, she loved it. (laughs) Yeah, we had it, you know, we had to save the kilt reveal. It's, it's, that kilt reveal is great. And I'm like, it's too good. I know it's too good. I almost Uh went up there and just snatched that outfit right off. I'm like, nope, you're coming home with me, this little cutesy. Uh, I think that may, I think it may walk away after closing. It might walk away. Yeah, I would turn a blind eye because (laughs) Mordred's costume is very, very cute and very sexy. That's all I have to say. Uh, And you can see for yourself when you go see Music Theater Works Camelot, which is running through November, uh, Third. Not through number third. How long are they running? 
Thirteenth. Ooh, thirteenth. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I, I wrote it in my notes. I'm like, November third. That's too short of a run. No, you can go check it out. It's going to be at the North Shore Center uh, for the Arts in Skokie. For uh, information and for tickets, check out musictheaterworks.com. Uh, Brianna Borger, Nate Robotham, thank you so much for joining us today. Continued success there. Yeah, congrats and break legs today as you head off to to come along. To Matt Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having us. Of, Thank you, Nate. Of course. Uh, there we go. We have got to take a quick break. And when we come back, it is the final thrilling show-stopping moments about Chicago right here on WCPT. Welcome back. I'm Paul Oakley Stovall. You're listening to Out Chicago on WCPT. Welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott Duff here, along with Emma Miller. We had to Camelot. We're singing Camelot during the break. All of our favorite hits from Camelot. Bob Goulet. Bob Goulet. loved him as a child. He was so dreamy. I want to say I saw Robert Goulet probably do the Man of La Mancha. I know I saw Hal Linden, TV's Barney Miller, do him do the Man of La Mancha in St. Louis at the Muni Theater. Anyway, yes, that is Robert Goulet. He was on Jimmy Kimmel a lot before he uh, in the last couple of years of his life. Oh, really? Yeah, Jimmy had like just loved Robert Goulet, loved Bob yeah, Goulet. Yeah, had him on and singing things, and, and, and Julie cool. Andrews is a part of the and original. She's cast. still with us, which I, I love. And Richard Richard Burton. Richard Burton. Okay, but didn't Richard Harris? Did Richard Harris do the movie? May, uh, I can't remember. Take away my gay card. Take away your. Take gay away my card. gay card. But there was some. I remember like the original Broadway production was Richard Burton. Richard Burton, yeah. And then, but he did. Did he do them? Because they made a movie version of it. They did. I believe, but I don't think Julie Andrews was in it. But probably oh, not. Yeah. They always, probably. you know, the Broadway actors always got kind of until pushed yeah. I know until she came until out with Mary like, Poppins, and, and then it was, was all. Like, oh wait, what? What? We love her. We. We've loved her all along. No, I love Julie Andrews. Love and Julie. she's a good person. Uh, for, you know, long story. But Kathy Richardson got to know her a little bit years ago when she was doing um, Love Janice in New York. And Julie brought over, Kathy was having some throat trouble. Julie brought her something to help her with her throat. Of course and she's she did. that kind of Because she's person. Julie Andrews. Uh, was Vanessa Redgrave in the movie? Oh, of course. She was. Yes. But didn't Richard Hare just kind of yell at everybody and do the whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. He was very sad about being a king. <laughs> that old thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There we Look, there's something that we do need to be upset about. And mm. you know, we've been talking about it. The midterms are coming up. We Everybody needs to get out and vote. Okay? We need people to get out there. We cannot set these midterms out, especially if you are in the second and third districts here in Illinois, because those are the districts that are going to be voting on two Supreme Court judges. Mm. And we need everybody to come out. Um, it, I don't even know where to go. Okay, well, here's here the here's the big issues okay. that people are talking about. You know, we said that the midterm issues they are all about um, uh, uh, about uh, their inflation and crime. Those are the big talking points right now. And, and people have said uh, that you know abortion is no longer a thing. That's not that's not the case. And and LGBTQ uh, equality is is not really the thing. No, that is really the thing. And, mm-hmm. and people are trying to steer away the conversation from abortion rights. Yes. Uh, to go back to it, uh, 
so when I was driving back from Memphis, I was listening to conservative radio mm-hmm. because I like to know what, what people are saying. And they were not focused on abortion. Oh, no. Not at all. They weren't talking about how, like, this is a victory. They're running this is a from government. it right now. They are running from it right now. And what they're running to is an an aggressive anti-LGBTQ, particularly anti-trans legislation. Fear. Mm-hmm. It's all about fear. But this, I was listening to American Radio mm-hmm. Network or the American Family Radio. Have you ever had the treat of listening to that? No. Wow. Not all. lately. Oh. If you believed them, you would think that our schools are overrun with drag queens and pedophiles who are doing nothing but showing their junk to little kids and and <laughs> and trying to and pretending to read stories to them. Yeah. And they're also and they're trying to convert people to come to the dark side and to uh, that's their words, you know, come over and they're, they're that gay people are recruiting young people through our schools and through education. Indoctrinating them is what they think. That people are being indoctrinated into this thing. That is their that is their main point that they are going after right now. They also, while I was driving, there was a they there was a commercial for a movie uh, called In His Image, uh, which was about the biblical response to the LGBTQ community. And I'm driving along and I'm grabbing I'm like, okay, write this down. So um, I actually watched this movie uh, that was that was produced by the American Family Association. Association. These are people who are for families. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, my mouth was just like, gunk. What? What are you? I'm sure, it was horrid. It was a chock full of love the sinner, not the mm-hmm. sin mm-hmm. BS that mm-hmm. people always throw around. Yeah. That stuff drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It drives oh, yeah. me crazy. But they have these testimonials from people who. Granted, it, this was their experience. Mm-hmm. I will take the, this is your experience. Mm-hmm. But it by no means represents the lived experience of most of the LGBTQ community. There was somebody who's like, who's, who's a parent, uh, was wanted to transition but the way that she described this was how like her, her at the time father would tackle her and like abuse her as the, I mean, it was just it was no, just it was chock full of like, they, all this that stuff. They latch on and, to some and, craziness. And, and people who were like, you know, who got the gay prayed away, who prayed away the gay, and all this stuff that was happening. This is the information that is going out to Republican. They're talking about the big demographic that people are hoping for are Republican suburban women mm-hmm. to you know to remain fired up about abortions. But what they're doing is they are distracting them now by saying that the gays are coming after your children. Oh yeah, they're deflecting. They, they think if if they if they don't talk about LGBTQ issues that it will just go away. That's their way of dealing with it. We're going to pretend it doesn't exist and then our kids oh, will be protected. No, 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 no. They're not talking about No, no, no. They well, I'm saying they don't they, want kids to be. I'm, I'm explaining like in, they don't want kids in well, school not, to learn about the world as it is, not as they pretend right. that it yeah, will yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, what they're doing, and they're and again, just to go back to when it comes to LGBTQ curriculum, it is all it is nothing but mentioning the fact that this person was queer and, yes. in history. As we are talking about their incredible contributions to the world, that is it. That is what we're talking about when it comes to an LGBTQ inclusive. curriculum. 
curriculum. Correct. Just like you know when when uh, with uh, Black History Month, when we are talking about this, we are learning incredible people from sure. the uh, from the Black community who who have been incredible leaders and made incredible contributions. That they as never well. heard much about before. That they've never heard much about. Nobody's talking about how they are. You know how they love each other. Nobody's, you know, or how you know. It, right, it, there's right. none of that. I know. That is not what's yeah. happening. And there is, it, it's a very dangerous right now because they are, they are making these assumptions and they, they are asserting these as truths. To go back to you saying that this is just a party of lying, mm-hmm. that people are going in and making everything sexualized, and it's not about sex. It is about representation. It is about kindness. It is about respect. Mm-hmm. It is about love. It is about what makes up a family. A, yeah, teaching acceptance. You know, what is wrong with teaching acceptance? They feel if their kids hear about gay people, they're going to turn gay. Yes. That's how they look at it. Yes. So that is, that's one of the things that, that we, I, we need to demystify, you know, and especially, and to remind those suburban Republican moms mm-hmm. out there who are very, very worried about their children. This is not what is happening. No. It's not what is happening. No. It's, it's just fear-based baloney is what it is. Yeah. So, anyway, that is, that is I will get off of my high horse No, right you there. need to be on that horse because this are, it's important because this is a deflection because the abortion issue was huge. There, the polls were showing that Democrats were leading, you know, as as late as August, you know, in the summer when this all came came, came to fruition with, you know, Roe v. Wade and continued to, to, you know, to gain steam. And then they just deflected, you know, they deflected away from it and they're focusing on things like LGBTQ uh, issues being, you know, being brought up in schools, things like, you know. It's oh, yeah. Well, and just to go and to go nationally too. Again, with the American, l- with the American Radio Network doing this whole thing, and then the American Family Association putting out this movie. There was this week too. Uh, oh, Republicans gosh. in the House of Representatives introduced legislation on a right-wing conspiracy theory and proposed what critics are calling a federal "don't say gay" bill. The bill prohibits using federal funds for programs or events that contain "quote unquote" sexually, sexually oriented material. material. Mm-hmm. geared toward children under 10, such as Dry Queen Story Hours, which have attracted attention of conservative politicians and right-wing ac- activists. On Tuesday, Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson introduced the bill with more than 30 House Republican co-sponsors. So what they are saying is that if you're a library, hospital, school, whatever, if any organization that receives federal money that has any sort of LGBTQ programming that any child might happen to stumble upon, mm-hmm. They can have all their funding removed. That's right. That's what they're trying to that do. That is what's going on. Now, when have you been to a drag queen story hour? It is not a drag queen show that you would go to at a nightclub. It is a show about dancing and wiggling your wig and shaking your booty. And a drag queen who is this gigantic cartoon character in mm-hmm. front of your children come to life reading a story. And and sharing, uh, just showing like there are different ways you can express yourself, and this is like a, what are they so afraid of? It's it's they're afraid of. It's it's sad to me that these parents are so close-minded and so hateful and so full of fear that they that they they think that their kids are going to be damaged by being simply, uh, you know. D- uh, being near somebody. Being near somebody that's different than them. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, what better ex- thing to teach children than acceptance? Absolutely. And that, you, you know, know vari- less bullying in schools and everything else. Mm-hmm. And variety is the spice of life. It sure is. You know, I mean, it makes things interesting. You have different perspectives, different thoughts, different ideas. Uh, and we're not denying anybody's existence. Exactly. And that's what it is. That's what it's all about. Exactly. It's just trying to like erase people. It's, it's queer erasure, and we and need to make scary. sure. And it's scary. And we got to vote. We got to vote. We got to vote. So, and we got to call our people who are in District Two and District Three. Phone and calls, canvassing, knocking on doors. We still have time. Social media, definitely. We have plenty of time. But TikTok, it's time. And on that, it is also time for us to go. Ooh, um, sure I want is. to thank all of our guests today. Mike Ziri, Director of Public Policy for Equality Illinois. Uh, Bruce Koff from the Rainbow Railroad. And uh, Brianna Borger and Nate Raubottom uh, from Music Theater Works Production of Camelot. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Devin, thank you. Brilliant. Thank Amazing. You, Devin. Incredible. Paul, incredible. Fascinating. Wonderful. There we are. <laughs> thank you. Fact checking. Oklahoma. There we are. Uh, Ellen Miller. So great to see you. Good to see you in person. I'm glad you're back safe and sound. Enjoy this beautiful, beautiful day. You too. There we are. I will. And I'm Scott Duff. And until next week, stay stay proud. proud.